Thanks for clicking play on the East Lake Tri-Cities Talks podcast. If you're new to this, we're trying to be the best church option for people in the Tri-Cities who aren't typically into church. We hope today's talk inspires you to take next steps in doing life in the way Jesus modeled and taught. If you're ever interested in being a part of one of our in-person gatherings, they take place every Sunday at the Uptown Theater in Richland. Check the website for current times. And regardless of what you look like, who you voted for, or where your tattoos are, we'd love to have you. But for now, here's our most recent talk. Good to have you with us today. I want to welcome uh, those who are joining us online today. Uh, those of you who are joining us at one of our campuses this morning, uh, it's a big deal to us you would be here. Uh, I want to uh, wish you a very warm and happy allergy season. I hope you have big plans. And uh, uh, hey, we've been in this series uh, talking about mental wellness, wholeness, and I think it's very important. You know, that, that, we, that we are able to reflect the hope of Jesus, uh, both, uh, or not only both, but, but body, mind, and soul. And it's important for us to be able to understand that we're going to have things that challenge us throughout our life, throughout our life. And God doesn't uh, think less of us when we have challenges, um, but we can get less out of life if we don't invite God right into the middle of it. And so uh, we're going to continue that. Today we're going to talk about anxiety. And typically when you talk about uh, something, uh, as a speaker, you come from one of two places, either an area of incredible authority that you've whipped this sucker all your life or an area of struggle. And if you've been on this uh, journey in Northport for a while, you know that probably uh, you've probably uh, familiar with the topic of anxiety is something that specific seasons of my life was my biggest challenge and something that I continually have to be aware of and walk through in order to be my best. And so this is a topic that uh, I walk into uh, not with any sense of arrogance, uh, but a lot of sense of awareness uh, that this could be a very crippling topic. And so we're going to walk through that today. Fear is very similar to anxiety. Uh, so some of the things we've talked about earlier in the series, uh, some of these principles are going to be carrying over. Uh, but uh, we live in an area, we live in a time, we live in an era where anxiety is a big deal. I have uh, some anxieties that I've had all my life. One is a fear of heights. Anybody else join me on this fear of heights? Um, I've had it ever since I was little. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the type of uh, guy that uh, when it's Christmas light putting up season, um, I'm, my job is to hold the ladder so my wife doesn't fall. You can judge me, um, but it's, it's just the way it works in our family. I'm afraid of heights. And the truth is I've been afraid of heights ever since I was 13. I fell off an 18-foot ladder. And fortunately, thank God I was on the bottom rung when I fell. Otherwise, I would have been hurt. So I've always been afraid of heights. Um, and it's something that's funny is, is um, logically, I can tell myself I'm safe. But anxiety doesn't work according to logics. Uh, recently, last week, Leanne and I and our girls, we, uh, we went on a cruise. We just celebrated our 25th anniversary. So that's 50 years of marriage between the two of us. Um, 
And so we, we went on this cruise, and, and we get to this spot, uh, or to this day where my daughter, she's kind of an adventurer, my oldest daughter, Janae, she's like, hey, there's this ropes course. We got to go on this ropes course. And I'm like, I am not going on a ropes course. It is on the top deck of the cruise ship. It is deck 14. But they don't have deck 13. You know why? Anxiety, okay? People don't want there to be a deck 13. But I'm a mathematician. I realize the deck, the one right above the 12th deck, is the 13th deck, no matter what label they put on that thing. And that's the most dangerous of all. It's the ropes course on deck 14. And so Janae's like, Dad, it's no big deal. Let's go on this thing. So, so uh, I don't know if you've ever been on a ropes course deal where you kind of get locked in and they snug you real good and comfortable. And uh, so, so we get up there. I'm on the platform and I freeze. Now I know that I am locked in, that I am not going to fall. I'm not going to die. I know that but I don't know that. My body's in panic mode. I've got a picture uh, to prove it. Here I am on the platform. And they're like, go, go. There are people behind me and they can't get to my platform till I leave. And I'm like, no, I am holding on to this steel bar. And they're like, no, you gotta go. You gotta trust this. And I know that I can. When my, when my daughter scampers across this thing, I know that I can. And I got the next picture. There's a lot of advancement here. Let's go to this next. You can see I'm really making progress here. I didn't want to let go of this. Even though logically, um, I, I understand the mechanics, I'm probably going to be fine. Even though experience shows me someone else has gone through this journey and they've been fine, it's about me. It's about me. And, and I don't want to let go of the only comfort I have to take this walk of anxiety. And today I want to look at a scripture about a group of people who are just like that. They're holding on. Matter of fact, uh, they're the Israel, Israelites who were called to go into the promised land. And they had spent all these years preparing to go into this land, this land that had been told from God that it was going to be this great land of prosperity. This is a really great deal. But they refused to let go. Why? They're not a lot unlike us. In order to step out into the unknown, you've got to let go of the known. For you to be able to grab a hold of something new, you got to let go of something comfortable. For you to grab a hold of next, you got to let go of now. And whether that is getting married, whether that is having a baby, whether that is uh, taking a new job, leaving your current job, whether that is moving, whatever it might be, there's anxiety around this. Um, I want us to, to think about this idea of anxiety. A century ago, there was a psychologist named William James. William James is one of the fathers of psychology as we now know it. Um, he, he was the very first person, um, known person in America to teach a course on psychology in a university setting. He did it at Harvard. And so he wrote a lot of our early books on psychology. And he said this, he wrote this down about 100 years ago, that, that the future generation will be the first generation to be able to go from cradle to grave 
without gripping anxiety because modernity has eased the fear of wild animal attacks like grizzly bears and and modern technology has made traveling in automobiles safer than ever before. Here's what the first real famous psychologist says. The future is bright. There is no reason to be afraid. Anxiety is not going to be a thing in the future because grizzly bears ain't going to get you. I want you to hear this from a current leader in psychology. Uh, he, he talks about this. His name is Robert Lee. He's authored 28 different books on psychology. He's the director of American Institute for Cognitive Therapy. He's a professor at Cornell. And he writes this, that the average child today, this is in the New York Times, that the average child today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric inpatient of the 19th. 1950s. Think about that. That today's fifth grader has the same level of anxiety as a psychiatric inpatient in the 1950s. That doesn't make a lot of sense if we look at the father of psychology. If if anxiety is this fear of what might happen to us, and we live in a golden era of the likelihood of things happen to us, our life expectancy is longer than it's ever been. How has this not eliminated, cured, whipped, licked, kicked anxiety? How is it that you and I are very familiar with the concept of anxiety? There's a lot of things that we can look at today, whether it's, whether it's the, uh, the amount of information. Uh, they say that, that we get enough information through screens in one day than most people 30 years ago would get in two years of information from newspapers, right? Is we have all these, these, these stats. There's hardly any bad thing that can happen on this planet that you and I can't process, We'll see it instantly. What makes headlines often makes nightmares, right? And so before you would face something that was anxiety invoking, if you knew about it or it was close to you, now it just has to happen and something that makes noise makes news. And all of a sudden this unfiltered fact of fear gets into our mind and we're inundated with it every day. And then we make it personal. We have anxiety of our own future, our own family, our own medical situation, our own financial picture. Anxiety is something that, uh, you know, is a big business, trying to produce, trying to limit anxiety in organizations. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at some notes. I want to share a story today. I want to talk about what makes anxiety worse. So hopefully you pay attention till the end, because if you cut out early and we don't get to the, how do you, how do you live through anxiety? I'm just going to make it worse. I'm just going to give you a magnifying glass. Okay. Um, uh, so hang with me for the, for the, for the entirety of this, but here's what I put on my notes. Anxiety is the product of trying to control something that I can't control. Now it's, it's bigger than that, but for today's purposes, Let's look at anxiety this way. It's the result of me trying to control something that I don't have the ability or I don't have the design to control. For instance, my future. 
<laughs> I can't control my future. No, there are some things I can do to, to set some things in motion, and I get all that. But for me to know what's going to happen tomorrow, today, I can't do that. I don't have the ability to do that. And so what I do is I borrow tomorrow's stress today and call it anxiety. Stress is when I'm going through something that demands a lot of stimulation. Anxiety is when I borrow, when I borrow the stimulation that I'm going to need for tomorrow's battle, and I might not have the battle tomorrow, but I'm going to warm up with a, with a stress today, okay? That's, that's not helpful. Um, so trying to control something you can't control. What other things can you not control besides tomorrow, besides your future? How about the person sitting next to you? You try to control them, okay? That's not good. I, we're getting a puppy in our family, right? Like we're getting a puppy, um, uh, not me, okay? My, my daughter's getting a puppy. And um, so I'm like a grand puppy, grandpapa for the puppy, okay? So I got a grand puppy, I'm the grand puppy. Okay, so the bottom line is, is so we go to visit the puppy and the, in, in the, the mom, this new mom with the puppy snarls, okay? And the mom's a, a nice old, it's a nice dog, okay? Why? Because all of a sudden this fear, this anxiety creeps in, right? Of like, this could be a danger, I don't know what's gonna happen. And we do the same thing. When we have these uncontrollable situations, we snarl, okay? Even if you had your coffee, you snarl. We do that. We have this attitude when we have this low-grade anxiety throughout the day. It impacts everything within us. It impacts the things that flow out of us. It impacts the relationship with those we love the most. Anxiety is not the ingredient to add magic to your relationships. Anxiety is not the missing key to make your parenting go to the next level. Anxiety is not the thing that allows you to just enjoy the, 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 the redemptive work of God in your life. Anxiety can take all the beautiful things around you and and paint a distorted picture. Anxiety is a carnival mirror that paints a distorted picture of what God's best is for us. And we all have faced it in different forms. So it's a product of trying to control something I can't control. So let me give you a true or false question. Okay, you ready for this? True or false question. Um, and here it is. God, or it's a statement. True or false. God will never give me anything more than I can bear. Okay, we got some loud falsers. Okay. Fake news, fake news, okay? Uh, God will never give me anything more than I can bear. I put that for me false because you don't see that in Scripture. And some of you are like, no, I've got a bumper sticker that says that, okay? No, in my grandma's bathroom, there's a cross-stitched frame that says God will never give you anything more than you can bear. Isn't there a verse, you know, um, that God will never give you anything more than you can bear? That There's no temptation that seizes you that will be more than you can bear. The only verse that's connected to this is the verse that Paul is writing to the Corinthians talking about temptation is not from God. You're not going to have temptation that's more than you can bear, which is basically he's saying you can't use this as your wild card like, I don't know why God tempted me so bad. But, that, that Paul's saying, no, no, no. But when it comes to challenges, listen very clearly, you will face more than you can bear. You're welcome. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Okay? You will. And you are. Right now, you're facing more than you can bear. You are not the solution. Your improvement is not the solution. But the good news is you weren't meant to do life alone. It's in my weakness I find his strength. 
It's me surrendering to God and walking in step with his great power that allows me to get through situations that are bigger than I can handle. How do I handle the biggest grief? How do I handle the unexpected phone call? How do I handle the stress and the responsibility in front of me? How do you handle that for your life? It's not by tapping into your magic power and trying harder. It is growing in dependence upon Jesus Christ. And when you understand that, then you don't have to freak out that you're facing something bigger than you, but you better freak out if you're trying to do it on your own. And I know I'm a pastor, and I know I'm biased. I'm just saying, to try and live this kind of life without the power of God is scary, is anxiety-invoking. What if we really did have a good God who understands that we're going to face things that we don't have the power on our own to fix, that he's going to do something for us? So I do believe that we're going to face more than we can bear, but I also believe there's nothing that us and God can get through. And sometimes that's all I can do is have the power to grieve and keep walking. But that's more power than what I can bring on my own. So here's what I put as far as tough times. The toughest time to depend on God is actually when I need to. The toughest time for me to depend on God is when I have to. Have you ever faced a time in your life where you had to depend on God? That's the toughest time to do it. It's easy for me to depend on God when I don't need to. It sounds great. I'm like, yes, I'm going to depend on God all my days, especially when I get a raise, especially when I'm healthy, especially when, you know, you get voted most likely to whatever, okay? Uh, when, when you're going through good times, it's easy to depend on God because you don't have to. But when you need to depend on God, that's the time where we tend to be less receptive, right? And we say, okay, I've got to struggle through. And we wait till we're at the bottom of the rope. And we say, okay, God, I can't hang on anymore. I'm falling, okay? Or, or we're, we're buried in this pit and we're like, I can't do this anymore. And it's at that time when we say, okay, God, I've made an absolute mess in my life. You can have it. And I'm thinking God's like, well, thanks. You didn't leave me with much, okay? I could have taken it a lot earlier than this. You can depend on God any moment you want, but a lot of times we dig ourselves deeper and deeper. It doesn't make you bad. It just makes you stubborn, okay? And God is rich in mercy. He's not going to hold it against you. But every day I refuse to surrender to him is a day of more anxiety and stress. Here's what we see in, in, in scripture. Um, what we have is the Israelites had left Egypt, and Egypt was this place of slavery for hundreds of years, and God had promised them, I'm going to bring you out of slavery. I'm going to bring you into freedom. I prepared a land for you. You're going to walk to it, and then you're going to live in this new land. It's called the promised land. In the Old Testament, a big chunk of the Old Testament is about the journey of the Israelites to this land, what they learned to along the way. And so they get up to the, the, the entrance of this land, and, and now it's this tribe of probably a couple million people, and, and they have 12 different tribes, so it's bigger than a tribe, it's 12 tribes, this crew of 2 million people. They take a leader from each one, so 12 different leaders, we call them spies in Scripture, and they were to go sneak into the land and get a report of the land and come back and, 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 and just share what they see. And, and what we have is we have 12 of them go in, and 12 of them come back, 10 of them have 
very negative perspective of what's going on, two of them could see the opportunity. And here's what we see in Numbers chapter 13. It says, uh, the 12 scouts reported back to Moses, their leader. We checked out the land just as you'd instructed us to do. And here's what we discovered. The land is rich. They're very rich. One could say that it flows with milk and honey. And look, here is some of its fruit. And I don't know if that sounds like an attractive land to you. I'm lactose intolerant, so I focus more on the honey and let you take the milk, okay? Um, the land is highly desirable, they said, but here's the big butt and everything after the butt stinks. That's a good principle in life. This is a good land. It's highly desirable, but the people who are already there, they live there. They're really strong. Their cities are enormous and fortified. What's more, we saw the Anakites. Historically, they're the, the people of renown, big, giant-like people. We saw these Anakites there. In the Negev, there are Amalekites in the hill country, are Hittites and Jebusites and Ammonites and probably even Samsonites. As for the seacoast, the Canaanites live there along the Jordan River too. That doesn't mean a lot to us. What it means to them is there's enemies everywhere. And not only enemies, big, strong, tall ones, the kind that had a beard in seventh grade, okay? These are the enemies that we're afraid of. But then Caleb, one of the two out of positive, says this. He calmed the congregation, calmed the congregation. When you have an ability to bring calm to an anxious, that's a big deal, okay? He calmed the congregation. He spoke to Moses. He said, we should just go straight in right away and take it over. We're surely able to. The scout says, no way. We can't do it. We can't do it, which they're right. They're facing something bigger than them. He described it well. They're bigger than us. But Caleb wasn't assuming they're on their own. (laughs) Caleb was like, hey, God's promised this to us. He's with us. They're saying, ooh, I don't think I can face this on my own. When you forget who's with you, the things that are bigger than you, man, you cower in the shadow. So the other scout says, no way, we can't do it. The people who are already there are too strong for us. The report of these other scouts was quite disheartening. It made the people question God's promise. And the other scout says, the land that we surveyed virtually eats its own, and the people themselves are gigantic. We saw the massive Anakites who descended from the ancient Nephilim, giants. We look like grasshoppers compared to them, and they know it. We're puny, they're amazing, we can't do it, and it's obvious. That's what this scripture is saying. Numbers 13, verse 32, and another translation says it this way. We scouted the land from one end to the other. It's a land that swallows people whole. Anxiety is a magnifying lens on the worst case scenario. I don't think the land literally swallowed people whole. I think that was just an exaggerated, (laughs) anxious fear. And we do the same thing. We fixate on what bad could happen. So really quickly, how to make anxiety your master. How to make it worse, okay? If you're wondering how you make it worse, it's possible. Follow these few steps and you can make anxiety worse. Number one is try to eliminate it. When you try to eliminate anxiety... You're actually giving it like uh, weed and feed, okay? You are making this stronger in your life. Why? Because now the focus is on the thing that you don't want in your life. When, When I was wrestling with anxiety 
worse than ever. I tried, I tried to memorize every Bible verse on anxiety and cast it out of my life. And guess what I did? I put a magnifying lens on anxiety. Now I was anxious whether I was anxious or not, okay? Is you, you can't, it's like, it's like telling your kids, okay, try harder to go to sleep right now. You've got 10 minutes, here's the clock, go. That doesn't work, okay? You can't force yourself to fall asleep. You can't force yourself to eliminate anxiety. We can't stop worrying by trying to stop worrying. Second thing, if you want to make anxiety bigger, try to personalize it. Make it personal. Think how this bad thing might impact you. Because when it's personal, it's a big deal. Because my emotions tied to my devotion. If I'm committed to something, all of a sudden now I'm going to care a lot about it. For example, I have not stressed about your kids' grades at all this year. I'm not. I, I mean, I'll pretend like I care. I don't, okay? Like, are they going to graduate or not? Whoo! Like, whew! I, I don't, I'm worried about my own, okay? I'm not freaking out about your retirement, right? Like, I hope you do, right? I hope it's fun. But I'm not going to lay in bed at night. Why? Because when I'm personally attached, that's where my anxiety is, right? I can watch a scary movie, and if they don't do a good job connecting characters to me, it's not scary to me. But if all of a sudden they do a good job of connecting me to the, I'm like, oh, I'm afraid. Because anxiety is personal. When I try and personalize it, that's a bad thing. Third thing, so try to eliminate it, try to personalize it, try to avoid it. When you try to avoid anxiety... Meaning this, let me not face any situation where there might be anxiety. You just live on the wrong planet. And I don't know what planet would be better for this, okay? But I know that's something I would do. I'd be like, okay, I need to clear my schedule tomorrow because what if I get anxious tomorrow and that thing might make me anxious tomorrow? So now I'll just clear my schedule and now I get isolation. And what happens, even though you can avoid the situation that might have anxiety, it's a tough conversation or it's a, uh, a tough situation. Um, what happens is when you avoid it, now the next time you got to face one, you're less likely to face it because you've given anxiety more power. And you might be able to avoid it today, but it makes you less likely to face it the next time. So uh, trying to eliminate it, trying to personalize it, trying to avoid it doesn't work. And then this last one's really scary. It's trying to anticipate it. Like, okay, this conversation is going to be really scary. Okay, let me practice it. Let me rehearse it. Okay, that is like you inviting Steven Spielberg into your mind and saying, can you come up with a really scary movie about what might happen? When I begin to focus on the bad thing that might happen, I eliminate the ability to walk forward into it. And that's what the spies did. They're like, oh my goodness, they're huge. They're huge. They're giants. We're grasshoppers. I can't believe this is going on. There's no way we should go there. Because they had rehearsed the scene so many times. They can feel it. They know what this is like, and they're going to miss an opportunity because of the challenge. Which is interesting because it's not even true. Here's what we see in another scripture. It says in Joshua chapter 2, talking about the other side of the story. Before these spies laid down for the night, Rahab, Galad, went up to the roof and said to the spies, I know that the Lord has given you this land that we're in, and great fear of you has fallen on all of us who live in this country. We're melting in fear because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Here's what this gal is saying. Here's the inside story. You guys are afraid of us? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're, everyone's terrified of you guys. But anxiety refused to let the spies see that. They're like, 
We're grasshoppers, and they know it. They know they're going to crush us. It's interesting. Both sides are living in anxiety, right? Because that's what anxiety does to us. I wrote it down this way. The wrong perspective will blind me from the right opportunity. When I'm focusing on the wrong thing, what might happen, what challenge is bigger than me, it will blind me to the opportunity. If you depend on smaller opportunities than you, you will never be able to grow in any area of your life. For us to be able to grow, we've got to be able to see an opportunity that's, that's bigger than us, see an obstacle that has a decent-sized shadow, and still walk towards it. It doesn't mean you won't have anxiety. What I'm saying is it is possible to live with anxiety but put it in its proper place anxiety is like a smoke alarm, okay? It is, design, it is like the canary to the coal mine. The anxiety is to, to alert you that something big is about to happen. Anxiety is a gift from God if it's in the right spot. It makes a kid a little bit nervous to run into the, into the, to the street. When a horn honks, it makes you jump back. That is when anxiety works well. But the problem with your brain and your body is it doesn't know when it's the house is on fire or the toast is just burnt, okay? It's just like, and if it goes all day long and it's going off, our body starts freaking out. We get sweaty palms. We're like, oh, I'm going to pass out. And we're free. Because why? Your body's brain is telling you you are in trouble right now. But what we need to do is be able to stop, collaborate, and listen. I said, what we got to do is, is what we have to do is look at this and say, no, no, no. I'm going to logically look at this and say, this is going off. I understand why I'm triggered right now, but it's just burnt toast. Okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and walk through this and calm myself down with anxiety. It is possible to have incredible anxiety and to go forward. The same anxiety that can lock you up and shut you down, when navigated, oftentimes has the ability to be a warning that triggers your body but doesn't have to mean it shuts down. You can be like the spies who say, we get it. We hear the same alarm going off. They are pretty big. So God, are you sure? Let's go. It can be the same one that says, I think I'm going to die today. I better not get out of bed. And you're like, oh, I, that might actually just be burnt toast. Let's go ahead and go for it. I want you to see a story of a North Pointer, a brave North Pointer, who says, I want to share my story of how I'm walking through anxiety, even though the alarms are going off. Check out Anna's story. I am on the worship team um, at the Nixa campus, and just the community I've built with others that serve and the connections. Um, they're deep, and, and they're awesome, and, and people I can rely on. My daughter is, um, she's a miracle baby, <laughs> so we were told that it was going to be a, a struggle for us to get pregnant on our own, and that we were going to need some medical help in that field, um, and the Lord made a way, and my daughter is here. I have kind of always dealt with anxiety um, to some extent, usually things I could get through, talk myself through, um, you know, very few panic attacks. Um, but then about six months ago, postpartum, um, really hit home and I found myself just 
in that constant fight or flight. Um, my heart was always racing. I wasn't sleeping well at night. Um, I lost appetite. Um, I just got to the point in my journey that it was going to be easier not to be here anymore um, than it would be to continue feeling the way I was feeling. So in that, I was having weekly panic attacks and um, things I'd been able to do to cope previously were not working any longer. Um, I was spending time in prayer and things that I'm like, okay, if I just do this, um, I'll get through it. And when your hormones and things are adjusting postpartum, um, you... Uh, it's not just something you can just get through because your body is kind of playing against you at that point. So I had the open conversation with my husband and my best friend um, about the thoughts I was feeling and not so much wanting to die, but to not feel the way I was feeling. I just knew that if I was gonna be the mom that she deserved, um, that I needed to be here first of all, and um, that I couldn't be the mom that she deserved if I was in my current state. So I just said, I have to let someone know. I've grown up in church, and a lot of times people will just think that, oh, if I pray hard enough, that <laughs> this will go away. Um, and so my point in my faith was I didn't feel like just praying about it was going to get me kind of to the other side and that I really felt that God was calling me as like, you have to take some steps and you have to do some work. So I had called my doctor and um, was open with him. I ended up spending a, a few hours at Cox North um, just getting that separation um, and getting that little bit of a break that I needed mentally. Um, and started on some medication that very day. Um, since then, I've kept up with my doctor um, and been adjusted on some medication. I'm also in therapy as well, which has been tremendous um, for my mental health and, and using coping skills. I think that sometimes those are good body signals um, and can be good the fight or flight mechanism is a great one when it's for fight or flight but not a great one when you're trying to sleep at two o'clock in the morning um so i know that some of those signals um are there because that's how we were created so it's a lot to unload on people and i'm in the middle of seven children so i unloaded on all of them and all my siblings um, and my parents having more people pray for you and check in on you um, has been super powerful for me so all my family knows the struggles i've been going through for me i feel like it strengthened my faith and it didn't mean I had less faith because I got help. And I know that my faith is going to grow in a place where I can be healthy and open and honest and um, 
if that means I need to go talk to somebody once every other week um, to get some coping skills um, and if I need to take some medication to regulate the things going on in my body um, to be number one my best self for me um, but then also for my family and for my community um, because if I'm not feeling my best self I'm, I'm not a help to others. It can change my dynamic of my relationship um, with God I feel like just um, going from that oh I know he's here and I know but when you really hit those hard times and, and you're able to see like he really is here um, and he's, he's gonna help you through it. Where I am now is night and day difference than where I was six months ago and the things I was feeling before I opened up and was vulnerable and decided I can't I can't do this by myself and that, and that I need some help. I want you to know that anxiety is a product of scary things around us, right? And we live in a world where we're going to always deal with this. And the alarms will go off. But God is with us. It is possible to have the alarm going off and to take a step back and say, God, if you're in this, can I still go through this? And I know that that's not natural. A lot of times the alarm goes off, it doesn't, we don't, the alarm doesn't know if it's toast or if it's a house fire. The alarm's just saying, hey, my job's to let you know there's something going on. And we live in a world where when we don't regulate that trigger, it, could, it can absolutely minimize our ability to function. We got to take steps. We got to go through it. And I know the levels of anxiety, the cause of anxiety are different with everybody. Let, let me walk through two things, though, really quick. Two things that will help us navigate real anxiety, but still make some real progress. The first is reposition it so it doesn't feel so personal. Because anxiety at its root is so personal. I'm a bad this. I can't do this. This is going to happen to me. This is what they're thinking about me. This is why they texted me this. This is why they didn't text me that. This is, why, this is what I'm sure they're going to say to me. This is what's going to happen to me. This is what's going to happen to someone I love. Reposition. And when you feel the trigger going off, erp, 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 and, you're like, and you're like, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? It's in the middle of the day. And that's what, what I would have to figure out is, what do I do when I'm in the middle of the day and my alarm's going off and no one else seems to hear the alarm? Like, do I have to get out and escape and avoid? Do I eliminate it? A couple of practical things that helps me reposition myself so it doesn't feel personal. One, I breathe because my, my alarm is going to be a, and I start freaking out and hyperventilating. I'm going to die. No, I feel like I'm going to die. I'm going to pass out. No, I feel like I'm going to pass out. I am dying. And, and it's just, so I have to exhale longer than I inhale. That doesn't sound spiritual. Trust me, it will feel spiritual. When you begin to regulate your breathing, I'm going to breathe in four, breathe out seven. Because anxious, I'm going to start hyperventilating. Right? Little things in the middle of the day that triggers going to helps me reposition and be like, oh, I don't think everyone else is hearing this alarm. I don't need to make it as personal. That will help. Breathe in for, breathe out stuff. Another thing that helps is to write it down. When you write it down, you force your brain into logic mode. 
you write down the thing that's keeping you up and I get out of bed and write it down. Because when you're in bed, your filter's broken, you're imagining it and Steven Spielberg's directing this thing and you're like, oh my word, right? And then you wake up and you forget what you were even freaking out about. Get up, write it down. You're gonna look at it and be like, that should not cost me sleep tonight. Because why? You've shifted into logic, right? It's not gonna work for everything. It works for a lot of the alarms. Second thing is this, reframe it so it doesn't uh, seem so big. When you reframe it, so you reposition it so it doesn't feel so personal, you reframe it so it doesn't feel as permanent. When you say, okay, here's the deal. I'm struggling with this right now because I'm going through it right now. This might not be the end of the world, but this might be a really scary next month and I'm not alone. That doesn't change the fact you got a challenge in front of you. It changes the fact of who's ultimately in control. Even if it doesn't end the way you want it to, what you're doing is you're reframing this and saying, God is with me. God is for me. God loves me. Worst case scenario, I'm with him today, right? Like, didn't plan on being there today. Worst case scenario, God is good. And so I've got to now release the control it doesn't mean I'm not going to be concerned. doesn't mean I'm not going to be anxious. But it means I could take a step, even though I'm nervous. And I don't have to be paralyzed with anxiety. Man, I've, I've used a therapist in my life that's helped me see God's presence in my life. If you've got anything, a part of you that's afraid of, of a medication, of a therapy, of tools, of meditation, of anything that helps you regulate truth in your life and figure out why the alarm's going off, I'm telling you, for you and for those around you, take a step of help. Take a step of help. Thanks again for listening. If you've got more questions about the church or community group options for connecting with East Lakers outside of Sunday mornings, I'd encourage you to check out our website, eastlaketricities.com, or better yet, download our app by searching East Lake Tri Cities in your favorite app store.